Do you want to take your creative real estate to the next level? I recently teamed up with some high-level syndicators to create the first true apartment network right here in Denver. Denver Apartment Network is a group of investors focused on achieving passive income through a creative strategy called syndications. To register for the next event for free, you'll find the link in today's show notes. I'll see you there. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. All right, welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, and today I'm flying solo. Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here. We have uh, been going through this podcast, and one thing that I've noticed is I've never really shared much about myself. But I've been talking to a few people, including today at my lunch appointment. Uh, the woman that I was having lunch with mentioned to me that she, she thought that a lot of the people that come to my meetup group, a lot of them come because of my story. And she said it would be important for me to share with you a little bit of the background that I have. So you know that I'm now doing apartment syndications and you know that I have a really, really, really popular meetup group, one of the top 150 meetups in the entire world. So I, I kind of control that niche, right? With about 4,000 RSVPs a year, just in one of my groups, and I have seven. Just in one of my groups, I have about 4,000 RSVPs a year. Go and look at your most popular. Please, anybody who's on this podcast and listening right now, Go and find your very most popular meetup group and count how many RSVPs they have in one year. The chance is the most popular, the best and highest are still under 1,000. But it's almost impossible that anyone really touches what my meetup group is doing. There's a lot of work that goes behind that. And I'm not bragging or anything like that. I'm using this as an example. It's one of the reasons why I'm writing a book on meetup. So let's just get into the history a little bit. I grew up in Utah. My dad was a real estate entrepreneur. He actually uh, did landscaping and he was a general contractor and still owns like a fourplex and some other real estate, a bunch of land and uh, even uh, some storage units. So for me, it was very normal thinking that everybody's family just owned real estate. Everybody's dad was like mine and buying tax deeds in random states or random cities around the state every October because that's what my dad did. Every October, he looked and he tried to buy a few pieces of property. Now, some years he wouldn't buy any property, but it was his goal to buy a few every single year. So I remember back in 2005, guys, as we're recording this, this is about 13 years ago. So I remember in 2005, my dad and I, my dad bought a piece of property. He basically gifted it to me because he wanted me to do real estate so bad. Purchased it for $100. So this is my first like creative deal because it was a deal I did without any of my own money. It was purchased as a tax deed and then we just had to pay the taxes. So I paid the taxes for, for that year and I think I paid them just one more time which it, it was only like, I don't remember, 70 bucks a year. It was, it was almost nothing. With that said, I sold that for $12,000. And I don't know why I didn't think of it. I could have easily given my dad double his money because it was really his money that purchased that first piece of land for me, right? So I could have 
given him a hundred, his hundred back plus another hundred. And I would have still had $12,000 in my bank. All right. Deal number two was I actually started because I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I said, I need to own my own business and be a department investor. So I started a handyman company, but instead of just being by myself, I actually brought on 13 employees and I was making about $20,000 each month. And I was just young and, um, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that I was netting every single month. Uh, you know, in three months, I remember having 60K in the bank after paying every expense and giving myself a pretty good salary. And I thought that I was just on top of the world at the same time I was being a property manager, okay? So I was managing properties for other people, for one other person. I got this guy named Reed Quinn, okay? I was managing his 18plex, his fourplex, and a condo. On the 18plex, Reed was teaching me how to what's called reposition an apartment building. So what I ended up do, hap, what ended up happening is I was making like 20 grand a month on my handyman company and I was making $10 an hour with Reed Quinn. It, it, maybe it was 1250. It was something extremely small and I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it at all. My main purpose was something that is taught in Rich Dad Poor Dad's book that it is even valuable for you to go to work for somebody either for a very small amount so that you can learn the craft you want to do or do it for free. So that's what I did. I went and I lived in the 18plex. I managed that 18plex, a fourplex and a condo and we repositioned that. And if I don't, and if, if my memory serves me correctly, Reed bought it for less than $2 million and he, we sold, he sold it for more than $4 million off of the efforts that he had me do. He trained me and taught me from the very beginning exactly what I needed to do. He taught me what cap rates were. I went to his house a couple of times in Orem, Utah, sat down with him and learned the, the, these crazy strategies called repositioning an apartment building, raising rents, lowering expenses so that the cap rate, the capitalization rate would skyrocket the value of that property. Reed Quinn taught me everything I needed to do to do that. So I went in and I rehabbed number 13. I went up re and redid all of number 13 I put in new tile and man, my first tile job was not like my last tile job. You, you, when, if you're doing tile, you'll learn that the first one or two, they just aren't perfect and uh, they kind of make you cringe. But I went in there and I changed out the linoleum and I put tile, I redid the carpet, I, I painted it with two-tone instead of all white, uh, just to try to add some a little bit of value. I redid all the tile that was in the bathroom and just basically did some finishing touches with plumbing and it wasn't very difficult but we were able to change about a 550 rent to about a 900 and I don't remember exactly I think it was 910 dollars anyway from 550 to 910 and he was really impressed. He was really proud of me. He liked the job that I did in that unit. 
and he wanted me to keep doing that. He said, the next time somebody moves out, I want you to do the exact same thing. I want you to, you know, remodel it with your own bare hands. Go in and put the tile, put the countertops, put, do the bathroom, put in new carpet and paint and see if we can keep it basically doubling the rent. Uh, you know, you're basically adding like 40-ish percent on top of whatever the current rent price is. So we went ahead and we did that to every single, well, I, I, I don't think we did it to every single unit because not everybody moved, but we, we did it to a lot of units and kept raising rents, raising rents. We slowly raised the rents for the people that were already there. And what ended up happening with the capitalization rate in, actually this was in Springville or Springfield, Springville, Utah, we were able to basically double the value over just one year, which was able to put over a million, almost $2 million into Reed's pocket. I remember thinking that I did all the work. I remember in my own brain thinking, man, he's probably going to give me like a $100,000. This guy's probably going to give me a bonus of like 100K because I just made him $2 million. In actuality, I learned so much from that one little thing from that one year regardless of how much money I made with Reed, uh, still one of my favorite human beings in the world. Got to respect that guy. And I, and I definitely do. I'm so grateful for his mentorship, for him kind of taking me under his wing so that I could learn those strategies. Now, at the, this was in 2007. Reed Quinn was a brilliant man because he exited at the exact right time. He couldn't have timed the market better because the very next year is when Utah, I think, was a, a, maybe a year or two behind the rest of the country. Okay, We didn't really feel it right away. So he exited while we were at the peak of the market for top dollar. And the very next year is when I purchased my triplex. So I wanted to buy a triplex. And guys, when I go through the triplex, you are going to learn honestly and uh, sincerely, you're going to learn a ton by me just going through this triplex because it wasn't a creative deal in just one way. In my humble opinion, there was a two or three things that were kind of incredible with what I did and how I was able to make that triplex work for me, my very first multifamily, my very first apartment building, right? So I really want to share that with you. I really want to go through the exact ways that I purchased this triplex. None of my own money, none of my own credit purchased this triplex. I was able to get something cash flowing. I used a house hack. I really believe that you'll be very interested in hearing exactly how I did it. I think you'll learn a lot from it. So I'm going to go in and let you hear one quick and brief message from our sponsor, and then we'll get right into that triplex. Hi, I'm Rod Cleef, and I'm host of the Lifetime Cashflow to Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now, we've been blessed to be the number one real estate podcast on iTunes for almost two years straight with over three and a half million downloads. Now, I'm also an apartment investor, and I've owned over 2,000 homes and apartments so far in my career. Now, on August 24th through the 26th, I'm going to be hosting a three-day multifamily boot camp in Chicago. I've asked Adam Adams to be an expert on a panel there with some other members of our multifamily mastermind group. 
Now, if you're like me and you realize you learn so much better in full immersion at a live event with no distractions and you actually want to do your next apartment deal within the next 90 days or so, you need to text multifamily to 41411 or go to multifamilybootcamp.com right now. Take massive action because this event's definitely going to sell out. We've got fantastic early bird pricing right now. So don't wait. Go to multifamilybootcamp.com or text the word multifamily to 41411. And Adam and I look forward to seeing you in person in Chicago, August 24th through the 26th. So here I am making about $20,000 per month and on top of the world. I'm really loving everything that I've learned from Reed Quinn on repositioning his apartment building. And I'm making tons of money for such a young kid without a college degree. I was still in college. What I ended up doing is went to the first bank and started to qualify for a loan. Uh, They are starting to kind of turn me down for one reason or another. I felt as if the problem was me. So I went and started studying with Reed Quinn more and more. Tell me more about the cap rate. Tell me more about this. How do I underwrite the deal? So Reed Quinn showed me exactly how I underwrite a deal. Now I'm getting on my spreadsheets and actually pulled in um, several hundred, several hundred Uh, small multifamilies within Utah. I was still thinking that there was some type of graduation process. Now, if I could have believed and known, like I'm teaching you, that it would have been totally fine to just do a 200 unit on my very first one, you know, just go ahead and buy a $30 million property. It's no big deal. If I would have had then this podcast to listen to and listen to somebody's experience telling me that it was better for me to just go get a 200 unit if that's what I want to do eventually to just do it then I absolutely would have but I didn't have that big of a mindset yet I just believed that I needed to tackle something that I was comfortable with so I so I did I went out and I uh, analyzed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of properties and then I went back to the bank then I went back to the bank. So I, sa- I said, yep, I've analyzed all of these. Here's the cap rates. Here's, here's this. This is what the expense ratio is. And I just started going through all this with the banks. And now you can see, they can see my bank account have a lot of money. I've got plenty to put down. I've got, I've, I'm making plenty. They can see that I have the knowledge and experience on underwriting my own deals. They can see that I managed apartments for more than a year prior to me asking and so I felt very comfortable but they just got started at the end of 2008 when I was trying to qualify for the loan literally weeks before they got rid of stated loans and they got rid of loans without proving your two years of tax history okay And because my business was so new, because my handyman company was brand new, I think it was only like a year and a half at the time, and I didn't have two years of tax history. So I couldn't show them how much I've been making repeatedly. And because of that, because they just got rid of stated loans, they said no. But I'm relentless. This is the part that I really wanted to share with you. I got relentless. I didn't care. And you shouldn't care either. One bank says, no, screw them, go to the next bank. So I went to the next bank. They said, no, 
So I said, screw them. So I went to the third bank. I kept doing this, guys, until every bank said no. But that didn't discourage me because when you get knocked down as an entrepreneur, when you really have a vision and know clearly what you want, nobody's allowed to say no to you. Nobody can. Just the, every single no, it gets closer to the yes. Instead of saying, I can't, they told me I can't and I believe them, say, how can I? How can I do this? How can I buy the apartment building? There's got to be a way. There's always a way. When you know in your heart exactly what you want, you find a way. So I did. I found a way. I never knew what creative real estate was. I, I never had a clue. I didn't know anything about there being something called creative real estate. I just created creative real estate, if that makes any sense. I just had to create my way of making something happen. So as a property manager and a handyman, I was remodeling a multi-million dollar, a multi-millionaire's house. And so I had one question for this guy. I went and asked this multimillionaire from California who had, was at the time staying in Utah. I said, hey, um, this is what I've been planning to do, but the banks are for some reason not letting me qualify. They got rid of stated loans. Do you have any suggestions? I know you own real estate all over the world. He owned real estate in Hawaii, in Utah, in California and some of the nicest areas of California, like San Francisco, right? So he and I talked, oh, and he owned a house in New York too, a really, really, really expensive house that he had just sold for more than a million dollar profit. And I knew he had a bunch of money in the bank. So I just said, you know, would you ever want to maybe partner here? And we, in my plan, my vision is for me to grow and grow and grow. Would you ever want to partner here? He said, yeah. So I showed him all of what the banks are telling me. He says, well, I, I, I know that I'm employing you. I know I've been giving you plenty of money. Um, I see your bank statements. I feel comfortable with you. You have great ambition. So let's do it. Let's partner. So let me just take you back a little bit, guys, because what I just said is something that maybe you thought that it would be somehow more difficult for you than it was for me but I really don't believe that. There's always a way I could have been in your shoes and I could have asked somebody else, right? My experience level, I believed that it was great. I believed I had a lot of experience. I had managed properties, but it doesn't mean that you have to have some type of experience level to get a multimillionaire to say yes to this. Anyway, what happened is that he purchased that triplex all cash. And then he created a note for me, a promissory note and a, and a mortgage. It was a tenant in common structure. He owned most of it. I think it was uh, one third, two thirds. He owned most of it and I owned part of it. And I lived there and I house hacked. Every single month I made money on that. Even after paying my mortgage to my private lender, even after paying my mortgage to him, I, I made money. I paid, I paid rent into the company. My, the other tenants paid rent into the company. And then 33% uh, of the income came to me 
and 66% of the income went to him. And literally, my after paying my mortgage and my rent, I made more money than it cost me to be there. I was house hacking. So it was just a multi-strategy and, and it wasn't something that somebody taught me. I didn't know that I was doing what they call house hack. I, I, I don't even think back in 2008 that they even had a term for house hacking. I, I, I really don't believe anyone ever had that. And I certainly wasn't rubbing shoulders with people like you guys are today when you have these podcasts like Bigger Pockets, like my podcast and other really great podcasts, Joe Fairless, Rod Cleef, you name it. There are so many fantastic places to get free information these days that there's no excuse not to know all this stuff. Anyway, Bigger Pockets, they talk about house hacking all the time. I've had a couple of those guys on our podcast to be able to kind of learn and grow from them. But it's interesting that I was doing certain strategies before I learned how to do them. And the main thing that I want you to take from that, the main thing I'm hoping that you'll take from me telling you that, is that when there's a will, there's a way. If you have a desire to do this and it's passionate and burning, nobody can tell you no. No bank can tell you no. You can get knocked down, knocked down, but you're always going to get up. And I think that's one of the most important takeaways. All right, guys. So we'll stop at just my first two deals today. Uh, we won't go any farther. I hope that you got something out of it. And I'll definitely pick this up on a future episode. This, this is coming out, I think, in episode 60-ish. This episode, it should be right around 60. I, I literally could look. I know the date and time of every episode that comes out. But I'm recording this on May 30th. At this point, I own like 122 doors today on May 30th of 2018. And so far, I've literally never used a penny of my own money to get a deal done. Am I here, though, trying to teach you how to do deals with no pennies? No. I'm not teaching you. I don't care if you use your money or if you don't use your money. The point of the podcast isn't to try to tell everybody that they need to go my route and do lease options, subject tos, and all sorts of creative financing so that they never have to come out with a penny for their real estate. That is not the goal of the podcast. The real goal of the podcast is to open all of our minds. And that's why I interview such great guests. It's to open my mind and your mind to new possibilities, new ways of thinking, new ways of getting deals done, using your IRA or your 401k to buy real estate, using your equity, unlocking equity, using HELOCs, so many different things. With or without money, there's always a way to get something done. If you want it to happen, it will happen if you want it bad enough. If you're willing to be relentless and not take no for an answer, there's always going to be a way to get that done. And that's the main purpose of the podcast is so that you can focus on opening your mind to all of these new and possible strategies, whether you've heard the title of something or not. You can go ahead and just make up your new strategy. Burr, lease option, subject to, wraparound mortgage, house hack, syndication. Make up your own new strategy to get your deals done. All right, guys. Until next time, my friends, think outside the box. 
Hey, it's DJ, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're glad you keep listening to each episode, and I want to ask you to please take a minute to give us a five-star review. And remember, we are not attorneys or CPAs. This is just the stuff you bring to your advisors.